Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Last week, Claudine Gay objectively humiliated herself before Congress. She's the president of Harvard. Just to recall her performance, here was some of the highlight reel. I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic con- rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation. That is actionable conduct, and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. Okay, so that was Harvard's esteemed president, again, failing to simply state that calling for genocide of Jews was in violation of Harvard's speech policies. Instead, Claudine Gay supposedly clung to free speech, violation of which is constant and ever-present at Harvard. Here, for example, is an excerpt from Harvard's mandatory Title IX training session for undergraduate students. It contains a, quote, power and control wheel that helps students identify harmful conduct. It says, quote, around the edge of the power and control wheel, you'll notice attitudes, beliefs, and systems like racism, sexism, misogyny, ableism, transphobia, and xenophobia. These apparently, quote, contribute to an environment that perpetuates violence. You don't even recognize some of these terms. Cis-heterosexism, which is the idea that being cisgender, meaning a boy who knows he is a boy, and heterosexual, and believing that's the norm, is somehow a form of discrimination. According to one of the presented scenarios in the Title IX training, quote, Andre's repeated using the wrong pronouns, commenting about Logan's appearance, making remarks about Logan's gender identity, contribute to a climate of disrespect, and may also violate Harvard's policies. So if you say a man is a man, you may be violating Harvard's policies. If you say death to the Jews, well, context-dependent. This is the same university, you'll recall, that banned prospective admittee Kyle Kashuk of Parkland High School for sending texts that included the N-word in them when he was 16 years old. But clouding gay is all about free speech for the Jew haters. Again, the only way to explain all of this is that it is part and parcel of the equity hierarchy established by the academic left over the course of at least two generations. Some groups under this rubric are more equal than other groups. And clouding gay is part of the privileged elite. She is one of those groups. That is why she is, unlike Liz McGill over at Penn, unfireable. Liz McGill is white. Clouding Gay is black. That means Clouding Gay cannot be fired. This week, Chris Rufo and Aaron Sibarium and other journalists uncovered vast evidence of Gay's alleged plagiarism from her PhD dissertation to other multiple published papers. Multiple professors who were plagiarized have now come forward to condemn Gay's plagiarism. That includes Miami University professor Ann Williamson, who said, quote, it does look like plagiarism to me. If they're going to do what they did, I should be cited as a reference. My first reaction is shock. The second is puzzlement. All she had to do is give me credit. Carol Swain, another scholar gay allegedly plagiarized, said, quote, what is bothering me is not just that there's passages she didn't put in quotation marks. When I look at her work, I feel like her whole research agenda, her whole career was based on my work. Swain actually went a lot further. She said, quote, she became president of Harvard and got recognition as being its first black president. I don't believe her record warranted tenure. I believe I had to meet a much higher standard than she did. It's clear to me standards were lowered in the mid-1990s and the elites came together and decided they were going to defend affirmative action. It's clear to me she was a beneficiary of that. I blame her committee and I blame white progressives equally. Swain, who is black, concluded, quote, white progressives have always rewarded the blacks who supported their ideas. A white male would probably already be gone. That, of course, is exactly right, but not at Harvard. 
where the board has full-scale defended Claudine Gay, saying they did a full investigation into the plagiarism allegations as soon as they received wind of them back in October. But here's the thing. Even that was apparently a lie. Equity has to be upheld at all costs, particularly at the cost of the truth. Truth is just not a value to the radical left. It turns out that the university, once hit with plagiarism allegations against Gay back in October, didn't investigate. Instead, they went into full defense mode. According to the New York Post, quote, Harvard University covered up a high-level investigation into whether its controversial president was a plagiarist and used an expensive law firm to threaten the Post over our own probe. The Post contacted the university on October 24th, asking for comments on more than two dozen instances in which Gay's words appeared to closely parallel words, phrases, or sentences in published works by other academics. When the Post brought the allegations to Harvard, Jonathan Swain, its senior executive director of media relations and communications, asked for more time to, reviews Gay, to review Gay's work. A day later, Swain, who was part of the Biden-Harris transition team and a one-time Hillary Clinton aide, said he would, quote, get back in touch over the next couple of days. But he didn't. Two days later, on October 27th, the Post was instead sent a 15-page letter by Thomas Clare, a high-powered Virginia-based attorney with the firm Clare Locke, who identified himself as defamation counsel for Harvard University and gay. So there was a tacit threat issued to the New York Post not to print a story about gay's alleged plagiarism because of defamation concerns. Harvard must defend the precious. Gay is the perfect emblem of equity, an underqualified black woman who has been elevated particularly because of that status to the presidency of the nation's most storied university. She is too woke to fail. Because if she fails, what does that say about the entire Potemkin village of diversity, equity, and inclusion? We'll get to that in just one second. First, Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays. They're going to give you a free Moto G 5G phone. No gimmicks, no trade necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 15 gigs of data. You get all of that for just 35 bucks. You'll get the Moto G 5G phone for free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. The new Moto G 5G boasts a two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make that switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Get this exclusive offer. Select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. And I've been using Pure Talk for a couple of years at this point. They have a great tower network. Same as one of the big guys. Make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan again. That is puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Check them out once more at puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your free Moto G 5G phone with a qualifying plan. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep mattress for years. I got to admit, last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix Sleep mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. They're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro house. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25 with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's be real. French fries, they're the only good vegetable. 
but unfortunately, they're not healthy. They're bad for you. Well, balance of nature, fruits and veggies are the most convenient way to get whole food ingredients every day, like the actual vegetables that they count toward you know, what you should be eating. Balance of Nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing those natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, like the fruits and the veggies. Right now, my listeners can get 35% off their first order and they'll also get a free fiber and spice supplement. Balance of Nature's fiber and spice supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices and whole foods. I'm flying pretty much constantly for the last few months. Gotta tell you, I really rely on Balance of Nature. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Experience Balance of Nature for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. Plus, get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code Shapiro for 35% off that first preferred order. Plus, that free bottle of fiber and spice. Okay, so why can't Clouding Gay be fired? Well, because if she were fired, it might undermine the DEI principle. And Harvard is a university totally reliant on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion principles. As Gay herself said in a statement, after the Supreme Court threw out affirmative action as unconstitutional, quote, the fundamental principle that deep and transformative teaching, learning, and research depend upon a community comprising people of many backgrounds, perspectives, and lived experiences. That principle is as true and important today as it was yesterday. So too are the abiding values that have enabled us and every great educational institution to pursue the high calling of educating creative thinkers and bold leaders of deepening human knowledge and of promoting progress, justice, and human flourishing. Now, Harvard doesn't mean that in terms of ideas, of course. There's like two registered Republicans at the entirety of Harvard. It is wildly stacked to the left. The entire faculty of Harvard might have a dozen professors who voted Republican in the last election cycle, maybe. So what does Harvard mean in terms of diversity? They mean it in terms of race. This is why, according to the Harvard Crimson, in an analysis of the period 1995 to 2013, that is an 18-year period, Asian Americans admitted to Harvard earned an average SAT score of 767 across all sections. That is an average of 1534. An average, okay? That means that there are a ton of Asian students who are getting a 1600, which is the maximum. If you look at the chart that I've put up here, again, this is from the Harvard Crimson. Look at that red line. It is so far and away above every other race, it's insane. Meanwhile, white admits, they were forced to earn an average of 745 across all sections. That, of course, would be a 1490, a very, very high score. Hispanics, however, had to earn an average of 718. That's a 1436. Black admits come in dead last. Even after Native American admits, they had to earn an average of 704 or a 1408 on the SAT. That is the average SAT score. Remember, that is not the top SAT score. That is not the bottom SAT score. That is the average SAT score. In other words, the average Harvard Asian American had to outperform the average black admittee at Harvard by 126 points to get in. I promise you, by the way, that the spread on Asian American admittees does not go all the way down to 1300. It's not as though there are a bunch of Asian Americans who got in with a 1300. But if you have a 1408 black average, that means there are a lot of black students who got in with a 1300 and some that got in with a 1500. For context, a 1408 is below the average SAT score for admittees at every top university in the United States. It's below the average at every top university. Like pick university rank number 20. It is below the average admittee at that university. The only way to justify this sort of racism is to suggest that there are other benefits that come to Harvard from admitting people who are black other than difference of perspective and an SAT score. Because 
lower SAT scores, and also not a different perspective. What are those other benefits? Well, the unspoken assumption is that a racially diverse student body or faculty or administration is self-justifying. Now, why would racial quotas be self-justifying? There's only one reason, because meritocracy itself is supposedly unjust and wrong and racist. You are doing something good merely by putting people of various skin colors in a room together, because if you were to adjudicate based on merit, that would be inherently bad. It's not that the room that is more diverse is inherently good. It's that the thing that that opposes, the meritocracy, is inherently bad. And that is precisely the proposition that Harvard puts forward. This is why minds everywhere are boggling at Harvard, the apex of the supposed American meritocracy, right? You only get into Harvard if you're a high achiever. I mean, I got into Harvard Law, it's because I got a 176 on my LSAT. It is not because I was promoting diversity of viewpoint. They didn't care about that. This is why people are freaking out that Harvard, again, supposed to be about the meritocracy, is now promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in the face of merit. And in fact, making clear that if you are part of a higher achieving group, this makes you an oppressor who can be and should be discriminated against. But of course, that's what universities have been promoting for decades. Clouding gay is the natural consequence of that perversity. This is why Derek Johnson of the NAACP has now tweeted, quote, enough is enough. Harvard President Clouding Gay is a distinguished scholar and professor with decades of service in higher education. The recent attacks on her leadership are nothing more than political theatrics advancing a white supremacist agenda. Black America isn't buying into your game, and we sure won't stand for your perpetuation of misogynoir. Misogynoir, by the way, is a fake term that was coined in the 90s to refer to discrimination against black women. According to the president of the NAACP, pointing out that Gay participated in precisely the same activity that got Liz McGill fired, Liz McGill's white, that's now racist, even though Gay is guilty probably of plagiarism and Liz McGill is not. But Liz McGill got fired, Gay will not be. Why? Because clouding Gay, again, is black. Plagiarism is just now another front for racism, according to the DEI left. Any meritocratic system, any colorblind system, is now a front for racism if it has disproportionate effects, according to the equity crowd, whether it's SAT scores or grades or criminal law or drug law or free speech or property rights. This is the game. Rig the game in favor of those who underachieve, pretending that underachievement is the fault of the meritocracy itself, and therefore giving benefits to those who underachieve is an attempt to break the racist system. And then when you're challenged, you claim that those who are pointing out shortcomings and failures, those people are racist and representatives of the corrupt and exploitative pseudo-meritocratic hierarchy. DEI is a cult philosophy. It is false, but utterly unfalsifiable because it's rooted in the core belief that if you oppose DEI, you're a bigot. And so there's no way to oppose DEI. That is the game that Derek Johnson is playing when he attacks Bill Ackman, the private equity guru and Harvard alum who's been trying to fight anti-Semitism on campus. Ackman has been attacking anti-Semitism on campus at Harvard, at MIT, at UPenn. Well, Johnson is now accusing Ackman who is a Democrat, by the way, of being a racist. Here's Johnson, quote, Ackman's statement on President Gay and equating diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives to modern-day McCarthyism have nothing to do with combating anti-Semitism. Rather, says Johnson, Ackman is choosing to inflame anti-woke culture wars against the most visible black woman he could target. Yes, according to the DEI-friendly, to bow to Bill Ackman, again, a major Democratic donor, would be to bow to racism. Johnson is now even calling for a boycott against the businesses in which Ackman invests. Businesses, by the way, with a bevy of black employees. Quote, Ackman can be held accountable for his actions. His hedge fund, Pershing Square, is a major investor in Chipotle, Lowe's, Popeye's, and Burger King, among other major consumer brands. Black women have the power to decide whether these brands should continue to earn their patronage. 
and the boards and employees of these companies can speak up as well. The DEI lie has to be upheld at all costs. If it falls, so too does the theory that American meritocracy is itself evil. And that is the core theory. That is the theory that lies at the root of the left's ideological revolution. It undergirds their support for everything from radical trans politics to the Black Lives Matter movement to Hamas. Everyone who is unsuccessful in life is victims of a meritocratic movement that is actually not about merit. It's actually about racism. That is the core principle of diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI is a cancer, but that cancerous tumor can't simply be removed because it's too late. It's metastasized throughout our universities across our body politic. It has to be hit with societal chemotherapy, a vast and destructive measure that will indeed cripple many of America's top institutions and should. In just one second, we'll get to the latest on the war in Ukraine, where the Biden administration, again, is playing this weird political game they don't need to play first. You know, you can plot at any time. And it's, it's just a, a sad reality of life. I mean, you can just be out with your son on the street buying oranges and suddenly some dude comes up to you and puts seven bullets in you. Salazzo. And you, at that point, you're thinking, man, I really should have taken out a life insurance policy with Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, which means you can trust their guidance because they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another. There are no added fees. Your personal information is kept private. We have life insurance in my family. I have life insurance. My wife has life insurance. It's an important thing to have. It is a satisfying thing to check life insurance off your to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you do leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Your family deserves peace of mind. A life insurance policy through Policy Genius can help give them that peace. Go to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click the link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. Don't leave it to Fredo. Do it yourself. Go to policygenius.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's say you were a duke of an intergalactic house and one day your emperor decided to give you an additional desert planet to rule. Well, you'd probably think that sounds like an amazing gift. Wrong you are. Because that same emperor decided to blindside you and murder you in your sleep. Pretty sure Duke Leto really wished he had some life insurance the moment that hunter-seeker pierced his body. No one likes to talk about life insurance, but it's incredibly important and you need to include it in your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy to protect your family today. Give yourself the peace of mind that comes with knowing that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover all their expenses while getting back on their feet. Policy Genius's technology makes comparing life insurance quotes from America's top insurers easy. Just a few clicks. You already have a life insurance policy through work, but that might not be enough. And if you move jobs, then it doesn't follow you. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. When they make it this easy, there really is not an excuse not to do it. Save time, money, provide your family with financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. 
Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, meanwhile... The Biden administration is still futzing around on the Ukraine war. I don't understand the political posturing here. I will never understand the political posturing here. It doesn't make any sense to me. So Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, visited the White House on Tuesday. He was attempting to garner support for more funding for the Ukraine war. Of course, Zelensky has been overpromising. He and the rest of NATO allies, they've been promising that an offensive against Russia would end up winning back the Donbass region, as well as Crimea. And none of that has happened because basically you now have World War I trench warfare accompanied by a lot of drones. And so nothing is going to change along those borders. And so people had an outsized perception of what was possible in this area, which means that on the pushback, Vladimir Putin now has a bit of an advantage. Now, that doesn't mean that Vladimir Putin hasn't been absolutely crippled by this war. He has. According to a new report from CNN national security correspondent Katie Bolillis, who is herself reporting on a newly declassified U.S. intelligence report, quote, some pretty staggering numbers. 360,000 troops Russia sent into Ukraine initially and then made up their entire standing ground force prior to the invasion. Of that 360,000 troops, 315,000 were lost on the battlefield. That is an 87% loss of Russia's standing ground forces before the invasion. Now, Russia has been relying on, for example, the Wagner Group and a, a bunch of other sort of private militias in order to fill that gap. They've been conscripting people in large numbers. The basic Putin theory here is outlast the West. And it's possible that he can outlast the West because the West, number one, has not made clear an off-ramp. Every war where the West does not make clear an off-ramp is a war that they end up losing. And two, it is possible he can outlast the West because the Democrats are, are apparently more interested in political game than even in, in providing the funding that is necessary to Ukraine. They, they would rather blame Republicans for not getting the funding than actually get the funding. That seems to be the pattern here. So Chuck Schumer was out there stumping for more aid to Ukraine. He said, he was quoting Zelensky and saying that Russia is going to win here. President Zelensky made it so clear how he needs help. But if he gets the help, he can win this war. And he outlined in some great detail, A, the kind of help he needs and how it will help him win. Even many of our Republican colleagues talked about we, we are winning this war. And if we get the help that if he gets the help he needs, he will win. On the other hand, he made it clear and we all made it clear that if we lose, Putin wins. OK, but I don't understand what you mean by wins and loses. So let's say that the borders stay where they are. That is what you, Ukraine is winning. The United States won. OK, the, first of all, as always, the United States has interests distinct from those of any other country. Israel's interests are not always the United States' interests. Ukraine's interests are not always the United States' interests. We are a nation with our own national interest, obviously. Well, when it comes to the Ukraine war, the American national interest was in crippling the Russian military to prevent it from fighting future wars against NATO allies and breaking the NATO alliance. And for those who are sort of, there, there's this weird pattern that happens now that I've seen in foreign policy, which is 
When a nefarious power does a bad thing, we then immediately blame the institution that was standing in the way. When the drunk driver hits the old lady crossing the street, we then blame the old lady for having been there. It's really weird. So when Hamas attacks Israeli citizens in the Gaza envelope, it's like, well, why were they even there? Should Israel even exist? I don't even know. When it comes to Russia invading Ukraine, it's like, well, should, why, why do we need NATO? Um, because Russia does things like invade Ukraine. That would be the reason why you need NATO and Georgia and Kazakh, like, and a bunch of other areas. In any case, the bottom line here is that Russia has already lost heavy in terms of its military. It has been crippled economically. It has been crippled militarily. The United States has already achieved its goal right there. So what exactly is the end goal? And this is where the Biden administration is not even articulating an end goal. They're making it political instead. They're like, well, as long as it takes with whatever it takes, and if you oppose it, you love Putin. And also, we're not going to give you border security to even get what we want out of this. That looks like politics, and it doesn't look like you care very much what happens in Ukraine, actually, if you, if you hold that position. It's very similar to the anti-global warming position that also says we, we don't want nuclear power. It's like, well, if you, if you don't want carbon emissions, you need nuclear power. Well, if you want Ukraine funding, you need border funding. You need changes to border law. Like these, these two things are a package. And yet the Democrats seem more interested in the virtue signaling than the actual funding for the thing they say they want, the Ukraine funding. We'll get to that momentarily first. The holidays are here. The last thing you need during this busy time of year is to miss out on a great night's sleep. That is why my team uses Beam's Dream Powder. Beam's Dream Powder contains a powerful all-natural blend of ingredients, including magnesium L-theanine. It's not just your run-of-the-mill sleep aid. It's a concoction carefully crafted to help you slip into the sweet embrace of rest without the grogginess that often accompanies other sleep remedies. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. You have to have a consistent nighttime routine to function at your best. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder. It's their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter, and mint chip. Better sleep has never tasted better. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. If you find yourself battling those bedtime blues, give it a shot. Your weary self will thank you. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year. Get up to 40% off and a free frother for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Ben. Discount auto-apply to check out no code necessary. That's shopbeam.com slash Ben for up to 40% off plus a free frother. Go check them out right now. That's shopbeam.com slash Ben for the special deal. Okay, so again, there is confusion that is reigning at the White House on Ukraine policy. On the one hand, they say we want all the funding and want it forever. And on the other hand, they say, and we're going to give up nothing in order to achieve this. So John Kirby from the National Security Advisory, he says, we want Ukraine supported, quote, as long as it takes. Well, then why don't you explain what exactly it is you want? Do you mean you want to support Ukraine as long as it takes for Russia not to invade the rest of Ukraine? Because I agree with that. If what you mean is as long as it takes to free Donbass and Crimea, I don't agree with that because that's the thing that's not going to happen in the absence of simply handing Ukraine Tremendous air power. It's not going to happen to change the situation on the ground. Here's John Kirby not articulating the endpoint. When asked how long U.S. support for Ukraine will continue, he says, as long as it takes, over and over and over again. Was he wrong? No. In fact, that's still his intention, Phil. We want to be able to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. Now, obviously, we'd all love this war to be over tomorrow, if it could be, in terms that are acceptable to the Ukrainian people. But Mr. Putin shows absolutely no desire in ending this war, sitting down and negotiating at all. In fact, quite the contrary. He's now attacking energy infrastructure with missiles and drones, trying to weaponize winter. And we know that his forces on the ground are trying to go on an offensive uh, in the east. So there's no indication that he's slowing down. If Ukraine stops fighting, that's the end of Ukraine. Well, it's not about Ukraine stopping the fighting. It's about 
what exactly they're fighting over. Is it more territory in the Donbass or Crimea? If so, don't see exactly what your off-ramp here is. But again, I think a lot of this is now about posturing. So Joe Biden yesterday, he was speaking about Ukraine and he was like, well done, Republicans. The Russians love you. You know, we need to fully appreciate, fully appreciate how it's wrong, how this is being viewed around the world and being used by Russia. Russian loyalists in Moscow celebrated when, when Republicans voted to block Ukraine's aid last week. The host of a Kremlin-run show literally said, and I quote, well done, Republicans. That's good for us, end of quote. Let me say that again. This host of a Kremlin-run show said, well done, Republicans. That's good for us. That's a Russian speaking. If you're being celebrated by Russian propagandists, it might be time to rethink what you're doing. Okay, or you could, you know, make a deal with the Republicans who do control the House and are halfsies with you on the Senate. You could do that thing, but you're not doing that thing. And so instead, we now have an impasse. Again, this makes no political sense to me. Joe Biden won in 2020, at least the Democratic primaries and probably the presidency, because his appearance was that of a moderate not because he ran to his hard left. He did not. He ran directly toward the middle. That was his entire pitch was, I'm an old person and I'm not going to do anything transformational. Then, of course, he went into office and he started putting equity all over the federal government and he started spending unprecedented amounts of money and he undermined our national security by withdrawing in Afghanistan and all the rest that you know. But the thing that won him election last time was his supposed moderation. And now he's running directly away from that. And Republicans are offering him an off-ramp right here. Republicans, by basically saying to him, hey, you know what? Why don't you change border law and then we'll give you the Ukraine aid? They're offering him a win-win. He can now go back to his leftist base and say, listen, I didn't want to do anything about the border, but Republicans forced me to it. And then he can go to middle America and say, hey, I did something about the border. Right? That is something he could do, but he's not doing it, which means that he's held hostage by his left-wing base, which is a weird thing to be held hostage by. Again, one of the issues where Donald Trump is going to hammer the living crap out of him if Trump is the nominee, which we presume he will be given the polls at this point, if Trump is the nominee, it doesn't even matter if, it, if it's if it's DeSantis or Haley, they will hammer him over the border. Him being able to say, I changed border policy to try to stop the flood at the border would be a smart thing. It would be smart. It would defray some of the cost of his crap border policy so far, but he's not doing any of that. So Mitch McConnell, who again, is pro-funding for Ukraine. He said, look, a deal is practically impossible if you're not going to budge on the border. All I have said is practically impossible, even though we reach an agreement to craft it, get it through the Senate, get it through the House before Christmas. That doesn't mean it's not important. And even though we've been emphasizing the border, I want to remind everybody of the importance of Ukraine. Okay, I mean, again, McConnell wants Ukraine funding. And even he is saying there's no deal without border. Meanwhile, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, he says, yeah, we're going to need the border first. I mean, why is this so hard? But I don't think it is a a radical proposition to say that if we're going to have a national security supplemental package, it ought to begin with our own national security first. And, And so I'll explain to him that while we understand that, I've made my position very clear, literally since the day I was handed the gavel, that we have to take care of our border first. Well, I mean, again, this is a very consensus position in the United States. We don't like our border being open. We don't like fentanyl being smuggled over the border. We don't like any of that stuff. And saying, sure, we'll give Ukraine more funding to prevent Russia from overrunning it, but also we're going to need to solidify our own border. Why is that? 
the fact that this is even remotely controversial for Democrats, I want to know the counter argument. What is the counter argument right here? All they can say, I mean, honestly, all they can say is we wish you were part of a separate bill. Why? So they could reject the border aid and then they could pass the Ukraine aid. But they should just pass both. Right here is Democratic Senator Mark Kelly. He's from Arizona, which is a border state. And even he's saying like, yeah, we need some changes on the border. But, you know, in homage to Joe Biden, I'm going to pretend these two things should be separated. We have provided more support for Border Patrol. We need to do more. The president's supplemental had uh, funding in there for uh, Border Patrol agents, asylum officers, judges. Uh, These are the things we agree on. Uh, We're talking about Ukraine aid, Israel, humanitarian assistance, uh, funding for Indo-PACOM with a future issues with China. Let me leave it at at, at that. Um, For this to be caught up in the politics of the border would be a mistake. Why? Why is it caught up in the politics? Just just do the thing. Well, the White House is making some signals it might do the thing. So maybe reason is starting to penetrate there. You always wonder. According to CBS News, the Biden administration on Tuesday indicated to congressional lawmakers who'd be willing to support a new border authority to expel migrants without asylum screenings as well as a dramatic expansion of immigration detention and deportations to convince Republicans to back AIDS Ukraine for people familiar with the matter, told CBS News. The White House informed Senate Democrats it could back those sweeping and hardline immigration policy changes as part of the negotiations over Biden's emergency funding request, a roughly $100 billion package that includes military aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. During a press conference at the White House on Tuesday, Biden said that his team is working with Senate Democrats and Republicans to try to find a bipartisan compromise, both in terms of changes in policy and to provide resources we need to secure the border. Apparently, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has been deployed to engage with negotiators in the Senate this week. Specifically, the White House has indicated it would support a new, far-reaching legal authority to allow U.S. border officials to summarily expel migrants without processing their asylum claims. That measure would effectively revive Title 42. You remember Title 42? And basically said, listen, We got COVID here. We're not going to let you in. Just go away. It would allow officials to pause U.S. asylum law without a public health justification. The administration would also back a nationwide expansion of a process known as expedited removal that allows immigration officials to deport migrants without court hearings if they don't ask for asylum or if they fail their initial asylum interviews. That program is currently limited to the border region. Moreover, the White House would be willing to mandate the detention of certain migrants who are allowed into the country pending the adjudication of their claims which, by the way, would amount to, wait for it, wait for it, kids in cages. Why? Because it would amount to having families who are held in detention, but kids are not allowed to be held in detention, and so they would be exited. And so you would end up with either kids in cages with their families, or you would end up with kids separated from their parents who are in the cages, right? There is no easy way to do this without just closing the border, which is the thing that the Biden administration is not willing to do. With that said, These are actual concessions. Republicans should obviously ratchet those concessions the way that they want. And if the White House is willing to sign on to it, it'll actually be a good political move for them. I would not count on them making a good political move, however, because they're politically incompetent. Which brings us to the latest from the Israel-Hamas war. So yesterday, Joe Biden stepped in the doo-doo and then had to have his night nurse clean it up. So yesterday, he um, was speaking at APAC, apparently, or at the home of, of APAC president, former APAC president, Les Rosenberg. And he said that Israel was losing international support in its war against Hamas. So first of all, who gives a flying f- international support? Uh, Abba Ibn, who is the former UN ambassador from Israel, he said that if there were UN resolution, that the earth was flat and that Israel had flattened it, it would pass 163 to 13 with 20 abstentions. I mean, that's basically what happened. 
Like yesterday, the UN General Assembly had a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. It was supported like 163. There were 10 votes against and like 13 abstentions. So who cares what the UN has at the international community? Ooh, the international community. Oh, no. What are the French going to say? Ooh. Like, well, why would Israel stop killing the terrorists they need to kill in order to preserve their own security? Because, because Sudan is upset. With, by the way, Sudan's not even upset with them. Because they pick a country that didn't vote in favor of a, the non-ceasefire. Well, why would Israel be like super, oh my gosh, oh no. What are we going to do if China doesn't support us killing terrorists in the Gaza Strip? Ridiculous, ridiculous kind of stuff. So what, what exactly was his warning? He said that Netanyahu, quote, has to change this government. The government in Israel is making it very difficult. He said, ultimately, Israel can't say no to a Palestinian state, which Israeli hardliners oppose. He said, quote, we have an opportunity to begin to unite the region and they still want to do it. But we have to make sure Bibi understands he's got to make some moves to strengthen. You can't say no to a Palestinian state. That's going to be the hard part. The Times of Israel reported that Biden said, quote, Netanyahu is a good friend, but I believe he needs to change. That would be referring to his coalition partners. Those would be Betsalel Smotrich, Itamar Ben-Gavir, some members of the right-wing bloc in his coalition. Biden said, quote, one of the things Bibi understands is that Israel's security can rest on the United States. But right now it has more than the United States. It has the EU. It has Europe. It has most of the world supporting them. But they're starting to lose that support by indiscriminate bombing that takes place. Again, he's such he's such a dullard. Israel is not indiscriminately bombing Gaza. If Israel were indiscriminately bombing Gaza, you would not be talking about 17, 18,000 people dead in Gaza, a huge percentage of them terrorists. You'd be talking about hundreds of thousands of people dead if Israel were indiscriminately bombing in Gaza. Israel has so far dropped approximately 22,000 bombs. Approximately 17,000 people have been killed according to Hamas statistics, which means that for every bomb drop, 0.77 people are being killed. Maybe you don't know how bombs work. Typically, bombs kill more than 0.77 people when they are dropped in populated areas. Israel's been deliberately avoiding exactly that. So it's not indiscriminate. It's ridiculous language from Biden, and his team had to walk it back yesterday. The other thing that's ridiculous is Biden and the left continuing to play this game as though policy would be wildly different if the government were made up of somebody that didn't include Betsalo Smotrich and Itamar Ben-Gavir. This is a holdover from the judicial, from the judicial reform nonsense in Israel is that, oh my gosh, if we were just a different government, well, that, that government would be so much more conciliatory toward the terrorist Palestinian authority. Nope. Nope. Because, first of all, guess who's in the government right now? It's a unity government. Benny Gantz is part of the government. Giron Saar is part of the government. Like, you have to not know anything about Israeli politics to suggest that right now the drivers of the bus when it comes to the war cabinet in Israel are Itamar Ben-Gavir and Betsalo Smotrich. It's not true. It's not even remotely true. It's, it, it's stupid. It's, like, it's the equivalent of saying that Right now, the people who have the most weight inside the Biden administration are Mike Johnson and Mitch McConnell. Nope. It turns out that in this unity wartime cabinet, the people who have the most say right now are people like Benny Gantz, who's the leader of the opposition party. So what, so, so what Biden here is saying, ridiculous, obviously. And, um, and again, he keeps saying these stupid things in the belief that if he sort of takes a middle road position that he's going to win supporters on all sides, which he's not going to. Just words of the wise. When you take a political position that pleases no one, it tends to please no one. And that's kind of what Joe Biden is doing right now. First, what do green eggs in your holiday family dinner have in common? They need ham. You can get a spiral cut heritage pork masterpiece from Good Ranchers for free with any Good Ranchers subscription. That is a whopping $99 value you can get for free on your first order. Now, listen, I'm gonna have to take all your word for how good ham is. Never tasted it? Don't know. I hear from my producers, Savvy in particular, that ham is amazing. But 
You have to subscribe to any box and you'll get your free holiday ham included in any order. The subscription, by the way, is awesome. You get 25 bucks off every order, a free gift in every third box, and free shipping on express delivery. Good Ranchers has something for every meat eater in your life. They've got award-winning boxes full of steakhouse-quality American meat. They've sent boxes to all my producers. They can't stop talking about the quality of the steak and chicken. They also sent me kosher salmon from their wild-caught seafood box. Yes, I'm the sole recipient of their kosher beneficence. And I'll tell you, it was really good. The best part is knowing exactly where your meat comes from, a local American farm. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Subscribe today with code Shapiro Claim. Your free limited stock holiday ham before those sell out. Act fast. The offer is not going to last forever. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Shapiro when you subscribe. Get your free 10-pound holiday ham. Don't settle for that same old holiday fare. Elevate your feast with Good Ranchers this year. Good Ranchers is American meat delivered. Also, you've heard me talk about how the elites think making Western society adopt multiculturalism is the only solution, when in fact, it is the root cause of its breakdown. Our society is actively in a self-flagellating identity crisis. It is no wonder we are seeing so much civil unrest and authoritarianism on the left. Basic notions of right and wrong, justice, truth, reality thrown out the window. Some would say the world is coming to an end. How should we make sense of this madness? Well, you should join Jonathan Pasho in the new four-part series, End of the World, as he explains why the world as we know it is ending how to survive it, and how we can plant the seeds for the next world today. Jonathan Pajot is an icon cover, public speaker, YouTuber, good friend of Jordan Peterson. You remember Jonathan from his profoundly illuminating comments in Jordan's series on Exodus. Jonathan is an awesome guy and he has wonderful insights. In End of the World, you'll receive a thoughtful framework to help make sense of these confusing times and roadmap on how to restore order. Pajot draws upon historical stories in the latest episode to explain the cycle of beginnings and endings across societies. The first two episodes out right now exclusively on Daily Wire+. Plus. If you haven't become a member, this would be the perfect time. Again, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Watch End of the World today. Meanwhile, again, the mixed signals being sent by the Biden administration on the Israel-Hamas war are very obvious and, and ridiculous. So yesterday, Joe Biden was talking about the Israel-Hamas war, and he said, well, Israel has a duty to innocent Palestinians just going after Hamas. Well, you know, that, that's, that doesn't mean that they get to kill civilians. It is not Israel killing the civilians. Israel is the only party in this conflict that gives any dams at all about the civilian, which makes it so much harder for Israel to win. You know how insulting it is, what Biden is saying? So yesterday, Israel lost 10 soldiers. That is a lot of soldiers for Israel. Israel is not a large country. Everybody knows everybody. I I have friends in Israel who are going to shiva calls, which are the morning calls, literally every day for soldiers who are being killed in Israel, who are being killed right now in the Gaza Strip. The only reason those soldiers are dying is because Israel is not using its own unbridled power in order to finish off Hamas. Israel is instead putting its own sons and daughters in harm's way. They're putting them in urban street-to-street fighting and warfare in a, in a really rough and difficult attempt to distinguish Hamasniks from actual civilians. Because one of the things Hamasniks love to do is shield themselves with actual civilians, which is why there's plenty of video available of Hamas literally shooting civilians as they attempt to escape war zones. It's why Hamas is firing rockets from civilian designated sites. It's why they use UN depots in order to fire rockets. It's what they do. While Joe Biden is doing this ridiculous routine about how Israel is being indiscriminate and Israel, meanwhile, is putting its own soldiers in harm's way, I'd like to show you a video. This was released by the IDF. This is what combat actually looks like in the Gaza Strip as Israeli soldiers are wounded going house to house. There's an actual piece of footage released by the IDF. It's body cam footage. In this particular video, for those who can't see, what you will see is an Israeli soldier firing at a Hamas terrorist. The Hamas terrorist, he kills the Hamas terrorist, but the Hamas terrorist throws a grenade at him. The grenade blows up. The Israeli soldier is wounded. He then proceeds while wounded to kill another Hamas terrorist at point blank range. He's going room to room. You can't see anything. This is what actual urban combat looks like. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's like, oh, they're being indiscriminate there. 
It is so insulting to what the Israeli soldiers are doing right now. It would be similarly insulting if we said that, by the way, it was insulting when Barack Obama back in 2008, you will recall, actually suggested that America was indiscriminately bombing civilians in Afghanistan. Remember, he said this in 2008. It was deeply insulting to American soldiers who were instead going house to house, risking their own lives not to kill civilians, many of whom were being used as human shields by terrorists. This sort of stuff is it's 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 war talk for people who literally know nothing about war. That is that that is what Joe Biden is doing right here. When Joe Biden says Israel is being indiscriminate, he is honestly he's doing humiliation to the dead Israeli soldiers who are going house to house right now in the Gaza Strip, many of them coming out wounded for life or dead. Anyway, here's Joe Biden doing this ridiculous routine. It doesn't uh, lessen the responsibility going after Hamas to innocent Palestinians and and uh, and Hamas. I don't this this entire notion that Israel is not attempting to minimize civilian casualties while its own people are being killed is insane. It's insane. Israel has been doing this for 30 years since Oslo, and it's it is the roughest job. Counterinsurgency is the roughest job in the military, any military. And Israel's been doing it for 30 years and getting, again, its own 18, 19, 20-year-old son and daughters killed by going into these areas, specifically in an attempt to avoid civilian casualties. And then you have this old doddering fool out there like, well, really, Meanwhile, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, he said that he would carry Joe Biden's concerns about the duration of the conflict when he travels to Israel later this week. Quote, I will certainly be talking to Prime Minister Netanyahu and the war cabinet and the senior national security leadership about timetables, about how they're thinking about that. The subject of how they're seeing the timetable of this war will certainly be on the agenda for all of my meetings. So I would just like to point out right here that the White House position when it comes to Ukraine has been as long as it takes with as much as it takes without any endpoint, knowing that the border is not going to move in Donbass and Crimea. They've been doing this in Ukraine since February of 2022. It is now December of 2023. That is fully 22 months, 22 months of war And the White House is still like, we need $60 more billion for Ukraine. I mean, obviously, I mean, as long as it takes forever, like whatever, as long as it takes. Israel has been at war since October 7th. It is currently December 13th. I don't know if you can count. That's like a little over two months, a little over two months. And Jake Sullivan's like, when is this thing going to end already? When's it going to end already? Meanwhile, the United States has not provided anywhere near the level of military aid the United States has provided to Ukraine, not remotely. So what's the difference? The difference is the left-wing pressure when it comes to Israel is significantly larger than the left-wing pressure when it comes to Ukraine. By the way, I just should point out at this point that literally the only reason why the left is supportive of Ukraine as opposed to Russia is because of Russiagate in 2016. It is the only reason when Barack Obama was president, the left was supportive of Russia. When Barack Obama was president, he was making concessions to Russia in Syria, in Crimea, in the Donbass. And the entire left was like, is Putin a bad guy? I don't know. Mitt Romney seems to want the foreign policy of the 1980s back. Then in 2016, there was a widespread perception on the left that Hillary Clinton could not have legitimately just lost the election. It had to be Russian interference. And at that point, boom, Vladimir Putin goes from hero to villain. And suddenly the Ukraine war is the greatest war that has ever been fought. The only war that matters. Now, some of us have been pretty consistent. Vladimir Putin is a thug. Russia has been an oligarchic quasi-terror sponsor state for decades really since Putin took over in the early 2000s, like 1999-2000. Some of us have been fully consistent across the board. What's weird to me is how everybody on both sides flipped. So when Barack Obama was president, the right was like, God, Russia, man, they're terrible. And then Trump was president. And because the left decided that Russia was terrible, many on the right were like, well, maybe Russia's good now. They know Russia was always the same. Putin has not changed. But 
What's amazing about this, to get back to the Israel situation, is that the same people who are saying no timetable on Ukraine ever, no timetable, keep it going forever. Those same people are like, it's been two months in Israel. Israel needs to stop. I mean, international pressure and all. Oh man, what are the French going to think? I don't know. That'd be super careful about the Polish. We're like, oh my gosh, we're, we're really, really concerned about what the Netherlands is going to think about all of this. And like, it, it's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Meanwhile, the media doing the work of Hamas, it is, it is truly incredible how the media's dedication to the fundamental principle, which is that if you are an unsuccessful nation, if you are a, if you are a nation that is rife with terror, if you are a nation that is rife with anti-Americanism, somehow there must be something good about you. It's truly amazing. And somehow, if you are a more powerful nation that has built up its military and has guaranteed rights for its own citizens, that somehow you're the victimizer. I mean, here's a CNN anchor. Boris Sanchez questioning Israeli spokesman Mark Regev about the number of dead in Gaza. Now, again, no one has ever done this in a war before. Like, I, I, this was not done during the ISIS war. Nobody's like, oh my God, how many people are getting killed in the ISIS war? It's so many people are dying. Nobody. This wasn't even talked about really during the Afghan or the Iraq war. But suddenly when Israel has to take an action in order to maintain its own security for the future after the worst terror attack in its history, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this is too many people getting killed. Doesn't matter, by the way, how many of them are terrorists, according to CNN. Here we go. On the question uh, of Biden suggesting that Israel is losing global support, uh, does that influence the thinking of the Israeli government in any way? I, I think it's become clear, given what the U.N. Security Council tried to push forward this weekend that the U.S. blocked, that the world is not OK with the 18,000 plus people that have been reported killed, many of them women and children in Gaza. Does this in any way alter what Israel is trying to accomplish or at least the way that it approaches its war with Hamas? Well, first of all, the UN is a strange place and there's an automatic, as you know, Boris, there's an automatic anti-Israel majority there at the United Nations. And uh, we thank the United States. We're very appreciative of that veto that we had the Amer America's diplomatic protection. It really is appreciated here in Israel. Uh, but as, as we move forward in this, it's crucial that we win this war. It's crucial that we defeat Hamas. In doing so, in parallel, we have to do everything we can to safeguard uh, uh, Gazan civilians, and we have to do everything we can to make sure they get the aid that they need. By the way, worth noting right here that, again, zero people would be dying if Hamas just surrendered. Hamas will not surrender, and so people will continue to die. It really is that simple. Meanwhile, while the West continues to vacillate and the West continues to pretend that terrorists are not terrorists and that evil people are not evil, the Houthis continue to ratchet up all of the problems with shipping throughout the Middle East. According to the Wall Street Journal, Yemen's Houthi forces have attacked several commercial ships crossing through the Bab el-Mandab Strait in recent days, creating a new front in the battle between Israel and Hamas, complicating efforts by the United States and its allies to secure that critical shipping lane. Houthi rebels claimed responsibility on Tuesday for a strike on the Norwegian tanker Strinda a day earlier off Yemen's coast as the Iranian ally escalates attacks to disrupt the flow of cargoes in response to fighting in Gaza. Now, can I just point out here that Western military power compared to Houthi pirates are a bunch of ill-armed dolts? Like, why is this even an issue? We should just obliterate them. If they're in those waters, put some ships in the water. If the Houthis put up a drone, shoot it down, and then kill the people who are firing the drone. If they put a little boat in the water with a bunch of terrorists on it, blow up the boat. What, what, why are we pretending that this is difficult when it is clearly not particularly difficult? It is an amazing, amazing thing. Why? 
And the answer is because he wouldn't want to convey to the Iranians that we are militant. Meanwhile, Iran is at war with the United States. It doesn't mean that we have to go in and do regime change. Doesn't mean that we need to go bomb Tehran. Doesn't mean that we have allies inside the regime that would be capable of handling the place if we were to bomb Tehran. What it does mean is its proxy groups are pinpricks compared to the power of Western military might. And we're letting them hold up shipping. And that will cost people money, by the way. We can pretend that none of this has any real world effect, but the reality is that the Bob El Mandeb straight, the place that the Houthis are running around hijacking ships and, and firing things at them, that is the route by which 10% of literally all global trade passes. The United States, other Western powers, they have to be blowing the Houthis out of the water when they do that. Instead, they're all fussing around. Oh, is it really a problem? What should we do? Oh, this is so troublesome. You know what's more troublesome is when Iran starts fomenting more and more conflict around the region, which, by the way, is why the West should also be standing against Hezbollah being in the south of Lebanon. Right now, Israel is issuing all sorts of warnings to Hezbollah. Move move north. Move about 30 miles north and get the hell off that border. Because right now, you've got our entire country in rocket range and we are not going to leave it that way. The West should similarly make it clear to the Lebanese government that Hezbollah needs to move off that border. Meanwhile, Hamas leaders are apparently fleeing Qatar. The Qatari government apparently told them that if they stayed, that Israel might kill them. So that is at least a positive note. Hopefully Israel will kill them because uh, they are some of the world's most evil human beings. Apparently they left for an unknown destination. They turned off their phones. They're not accepting calls now. Apparently a senior member of Hamas also left his usual residence in Beirut for Turkey. So Hamas is so much on the run from Assad that they're not leaving countries that uh, they feel are vulnerable in favor of presumably Iran and Turkey. Speaking of which, a Turkish lawmaker yesterday, uh, he was preaching against Israel. And he started screaming about how Israel will not be able to escape the wrath of God. And then things went wrong for him. He's saying the truth will not be silent. If only you could be saved from the torment of history. You cannot be saved from the wrath of Allah. Saying that Israel. Salutations to you all. Heart attack down. So he's in serious condition. Uh, just to point out that the Turkish government is one of the leading terror sponsors in the Middle East while being a NATO member. You want to talk about the, the, the uselessness of NATO? Stop talking about Ukraine. Start talking about Turkey, which is indeed a disaster area of a country. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is continuing to have all sorts of trouble on the economy. The new inflation report is out and it is not particularly good. According to Breitbart, the inflation report released Tuesday is unlikely to do much to support the idea that Bidenomics has been a boon for the American economy. The consumer price index climbed 0.1% on a monthly basis, an acceleration from being flat in October. The annual increase is at 3.1%. Now, remember, we are supposed to be seeking a 2% rate of increase. So three looks good when compared to, you know, what it was, 10. But it still looks really bad when compared to two. It is fully 50% off the number that you're looking for. Biden supporters of many in the establishment financial media are saying that this is well below 9%. But um, let's just point out that inflation fell to 3.1% annualized in June and then spent the next four months rising again and now is back at 3.1%. And it is all baked into the cake. It is not as though when inflation, the rate of inflation goes to 3%. That means that the prices are going back down. They're not. They're going up. They're just going up slower. This is why Joe Biden remains an unpopular president. Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown, I, I love that he continues to promote the idea that Inflation is a result of corporate of corporate evil or something, as opposed to, you know, shooting money into the American economy like you're a strip club. Here is Sherrod Brown doing his routine. 
John stands up to the meatpacking interest. He knows mm -hmm. what that does to food prices, and he knows what it does to farmers' wages. And the same that I stand up to Wall Street and stand up to drug companies. And voters, voters don't carry your party if you're standing up for an interest group um, that's that's screwing over people. And you know, when when um, people go to the grocery store, uh, they're frankly they're paying when their their grocery prices go up because they're paying for executive bonuses and and stock buybacks. And that's pretty clear. And voters, voters understand that when you talk about it that it, way. Well, I mean, actually, voters are not going to blame inflation on corporate buybacks. That is, that is a dog that is not going to hunt by any stretch of the imagination. As Axios notes, overall CPI rose 0.1% in November as dropping gasoline prices dragged the overall index down. But while the headline drifts steadily lower, the core measure is stuck beneath the surface. By some measures, it's pushing higher. The index rose at a 3.4% annualized pace over the past three months. As recently as August, it was 2.4% by that measure. So again, the, the idea that, that the Fed is about ready to lower the interest rates again, that obviously is untrue. And Democrats are looking for somebody to blame for their own failures. Here's Janet Yellen, who has been a terrible Treasury Secretary, blaming COVID for the continuing inflation and the stagnating economy. Why do you think there is this disconnect? And are you concerned about the fact that the administration's message around Bidenomics isn't landing? So I think... Um, we've, we've been through a lot. Everybody's, the pandemic caused an enormous amount of disruption in people's lives. And, um, we're still in the aftermath of what's been a serious shock. And we've had serious global shocks. And although prices are rising at a much slower pace than they were, inflation is substantially off its highs the level of prices of some things that people buy and are important to them are higher. Everything is going amazing, according to Janet Yellen. I mean, except for the votes, which are not going amazing for Joe Biden. He's in serious electoral trouble. Alrighty, folks, in just one second, we'll be getting to the latest in the 2024 race where the governor of New Hampshire has now endorsed somebody if you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 